What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt with Elevation 5280 Sports. Got a loaded show for you. College football, we're going to talk a little bit of that, transfer portal, all those fun things. And then we're going to talk a little bit about a couple quarterbacks in the NFL. It's a really good show. Hope you enjoy it. Here we go. away well like three weeks and two days but like three weeks away from the start of the college football season I cannot wait for it it is right around the corner it's almost here I cannot wait okay and college football fans everywhere are pumped for another year of their favorite team chasing Georgia Alabama Clemson and Ohio State okay we're going into year 10 of the college football playoff Eight of the nine national champions have been won, have been either Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State. They've won eight of the nine national championship games, and of course, LSU won the one in 2020. That's it. We've only had five national champions in nine years. Okay? And it gets even crazier. Some combination of Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State have made up half of the teams in the college football playoff every year since it started. Okay, these four teams have dominated their conference and they've consistently found themselves competing for national titles. Okay, in 2021, the transfer portal rules changed. Okay, and it, this was thought to be a great idea, but it wasn't. Okay, transfers no longer had to sit out a year if they transferred. This is the new rule in college football. Okay, and a large part of college football fan base is really excited about this. Okay, there was this idea that these top prospects who sat at the bench places like Georgia and Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, the idea is that they would transfer, and this would lead to a larger distribution of talent across the country. And that has happened some. We've seen you know, guys sit out their freshman year and then transfer away. But few people considered the opposite happening. What if you're a three-star guy out of high school and you balled out at a smaller D1, and then you transferred up. Because that's what we're seeing happen. Okay, if you have a great year at BYU, you can now transfer and play at Alabama immediately if they want you, and that makes Alabama even better than what they already were. Okay, and yes, people were right when they said that the backups would transfer away from these powerhouses. Okay, but those backups transferring leave roster spots open for these top teams in the country to go and recruit the defensive back at BYU who had a great year, to go recruit the quarterback at Southern Miss who set seven records last year or whatever it is. Okay, it just it opens opportunities for places like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson to build right now. And those top guys who are leaving their schools maybe weren't highly regarded coming out of high school, like of course they're going to leave wherever they're at to go play for Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, or Ryan Day. It just makes sense. Okay, and I think the frustrating thing with college football is the 15 weeks of regular season college football are flat out outstanding. It's great. Okay, there's always a couple upsets. We get to watch our teams compete for 12 games. We get really invested in the rivalries and the history, and it's great for some of us. But for others, it's not so great because either way, 
The entertainment value is nice, but we all know where we're headed. We are headed straight towards Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, or Clemson likely lifting the national championship trophy. It's repetitive and it's boring. Okay, the the attraction of several other sports is like college basketball, the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA is that there's a multitude of champions. It feels like everybody has a chance. Over the last nine years, only two college basketball teams have multiple titles. Only two NFL teams have multiple Super Bowls over the last nine years. And in the NBA, only the Warriors have multiple titles in the last nine years. Okay, Variety is not only the spice of life, but it is also the spice of sports. It needs variety. College football needs variety. Variety. It needs parity, okay? It doesn't need the same four teams dominating their conference every year and eventually winding up in the national championship game. So how do we fix this? How do we bring variety to a sport that has lacked it for so long? Let's start with NIL. This has to be changed, okay? Coaches are complaining about it. And yeah, I just it's it's a bidding war for these players, and that's not what college football. That's not what sports is supposed to be. Okay, college football is very quickly turning into Major League Baseball. No salary cap. Whoever has the most money is going to have the best players. The game has to be made fair. Okay, since the new transfer portal rules and the introduction of the NIL, I mean it's it's just it's gotten rough. Okay, the first rule that needs to be changed. With NIL, it needs to be implemented immediately, as in yesterday. Donors of schools should not be allowed to offer NIL deals to athletes at the schools that they donate to. For, donate to, excuse me. For example, Todd Graves, founder of Raising Canes. He's an LSU donor. He gives a lot of money because Raising Canes, they make good chicken. Not really. I don't like Raising Canes. It's not that good. It's highly overrated, but that's, that's, that's beside the point. He gives them a lot of money. To the football team, he's donated to the baseball team. He's done all sorts of stuff. He shouldn't be allowed to offer NIL deals to any LSU athletes in any sports. But he is. Last year, several, several LSU football players had deals with Raising Canes. And if that's how things are going to work, then Graves should just write them all a check. That, that He should just do that. Okay, deals like this simply shouldn't be allowed. Okay, athletes at North Carolina shouldn't be allowed to sign deals with Jordan Brand because Michael Jordan gives gives UNC a lot of money. Athletes at Arkansas shouldn't be allowed to sign deals with Walmart because the Walton family gives a lot of money to Arkansas. Now, obviously, if Walmart wanted to sign a kid from North Carolina or Jordan wanted to sign a kid from Arkansas, that's not a big deal because those aren't they're not sending money directly into those schools. Okay, because it's like Jonathan, like why? Like why is this the case? this rule in place, schools can offer kids four-year deals with a fourth-year player option if they really wanted to. You can sit a kid down like, hey, Todd Graves, he graduated here. He graduated from LSU, class of, you know, 19-whatever. Okay, and he loves the Tigers, and he wants to see us win, so here's what we're going to do. If you come and you sign with us, over the next four years, you're going to have an NIL deal with Raising Canes. They're going to pay you, you know, $500,000 a year. And, and all you got to do is show up and post a few Instagram videos every now and then. Hey, kid, you should really come 
and play for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Because if you do, you know, Sam Walton, the owner of the largest Fortune 500 company in the world, Walmart. Yeah, that guy. I guess Sam Walton's dead. But his son, whoever, whoever Walton, they're going to sign you to an NIL deal. And they're going to pay you $1.5 million a year over the next four years. All you got to do is come here and play football. You don't even have to be good. We just want you here. And we're going to put a whole lot of money in your pocket through this NIL stuff. There has to be limits, and this needs to be one of them. If you have a donor who gives a lot of money to your school, they should not be allowed to sign your athletes to NIL deals. Moving on to the transfer portal. Probably the hotter topic, I think, between the two. Now, in order to ensure there's parity in college football, talent needs to be dispersed across the country. Okay, Players should only be allowed to transfer once, then if they transfer again, they have to sit out a year. Okay, so like let's say you're a freshman, coach lies to you, tells you you're going to start, you don't play a minute. You say, you know what, coach, you lied to me, I'm going to transfer. Okay, so you transfer from Michigan to the University of South Carolina. Sophomore year at South Carolina, you can play immediately. Immediately. Okay, because 18-year-olds make mistakes, it's not uncommon. Okay, so if an 18-year-old makes a mistake and they commit to a school that they probably shouldn't have, they should have one get-out-of-jail-free card. And then from there, let's say he shows up at South Carolina, you know, and he doesn't play great. He just he wasn't as good as he thought he was. And now he has to transfer again. So he transfers from South Carolina to, I don't know, who's a bad school? To Southern Miss. That works. Now, junior year, he's got to sit out. He's got to sit out. We need to make sure talent is dispersed, and I believe making players sit out after they've already transferred once is one of the best ways to do this. Now, this rule would exclude grad transfers, okay? But either way, because we've got guys who in four years of college football, any college sport really, they'll play for four different schools. That's that's awful. Okay, and people, they're going to push back, like, well, Jonathan, they only get four years. They should be able to go wherever they want for those four years because they only get four. Playing a college sport is, you know, blah, 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 and there's only a fixed amount of time. And trust me, I know I played college baseball. Fully aware, you only get four years, and for some guys, it's less. But here's the thing. The best thing for a lot of these players, not all of them, is to stay in one place and develop. Okay, it's hard to develop. It's hard to get better when every year you're learning a new system, you're learning a new campus, you're learning a new coach, you're trying to figure out what credits transfer from this school to this school, and all those complicated academic things, you're having to learn a new coach, you're having to learn new teammates every year. It stunts your growth. It's not good to bounce around like that. We need to keep these college athletes from doing that. Okay, if we made college, if we made these guys stay in one place longer then the overall product of college football would be better because they would develop quicker. Now, the last rule change that I would make, this doesn't happen as often, but it has happened. I've seen it happen, and I think that there's some dangers here that teams haven't quite unlocked yet. The transfer rule would also keep players from returning to their old schools. For example, let's say, for example, this is an example once again. So Texas, they signed the number one freshman in the country. They signed Archie Manning. Okay, he's not going to play this year because they have Quinn Ewers. Okay, so let's say Archie goes in. He thinks he can beat out Quinn Ewers. 
He doesn't. Rides the bench all year. And then at the end of the year, you know, good old Uncle Eli calls him up. And he's like, hey, just I just talked to Lane Kiffin. They still really want you at Ole Miss. And Archie's like, all right, fine. He transfers to Ole Miss. So he plays at Ole Miss for a year. Balls out. Wins the Heisman. And all of a sudden, after Quinn Ewers graduates, Texas picks up the phone. And they're like, hey, man, you should come back. And then he does. Like, that's unfair. I think once you leave your school, you shouldn't be allowed to go back. Okay, this would keep schools from sending younger, talented players to other schools to develop. Okay, if you want to develop at a smaller school and all that other kind of stuff, go to a JUCO because that's what JUCOs are for, not lesser Power 5 schools. Okay, now look, this isn't going to fix all the problems, but I think this is a really good starting place. Okay, through the history, we have seen... Great coaches consistently win, okay? And we're still going to see that, okay? I don't think this is going to revolutionize college football entirely, okay? Like Ryan Day at Ohio State, they're still going to win a lot of games. Nick Saban is going to win a lot of games. Kirby Smart is going to win a lot of games. And so is Dabo Sweeney. You know why? Because they're all great coaches. But these rule changes would open the door for there to be more than four great coaches in college football. Okay, this sport needs more than four great programs. It does. The rules need to be balanced, and money doesn't need to be tossed in the face of every incoming freshman and transfer that. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Players should be allowed to develop right where they're at. It would uh, it would elevate the overall product of the game, and that is the goal of these new rules, and that should be the goal of college football. We want an even, well-rounded game, and we currently don't have that. We're going to take a short break. And we'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt, talking about a couple of quarterbacks who left college football not too, too long ago. The NFL Top 100 list is the dumbest list to ever come out. It is every single year. It's utterly ridiculous. These players don't watch the games, okay? They can't watch the games because most of them are played, you know, at 1 o'clock on Sundays, if you live in the Eastern Time Zone, wherever you live at. They're played at the same time on Sundays, you got your primetime game on Thursday, you got your primetime game on Sunday, you got your primetime game on Monday. So there's three games a week where every single NFL player can sit down and watch. Okay, these guys, they can't watch the games. Why in the world are we asking them who the top 100 players in the NFL are? And I was going to wait to do this, but there's not a lot going on right now. And so I'm going to give you a little precursor because I do want to break down the entire list and just talk about the absurdity of it as soon as I can. But right at the top, day one, they really upset me. How in the world is Trevor Lawrence at number 96 on this list of the top 100 players in the NFL? Meanwhile, Justin Fields, who has won five games since he entered the NFL, since he entered the NFL is at 86. Ten spots ahead of Trevor Lawrence. It's utterly ridiculous. When you compare these two players side by side, it's not even close. Okay, Trevor Lawrence far exceeds anything that Justin Fields is right now, and it is a big year for Justin Fields because if he doesn't perform this year with the new coach and, excuse me, not a new coach, let me back up, with, you know, with new receivers, DJ Moore, I mean, they've gone out, they've, they've tried to get him weapons. This is the year that he should do well. Okay, we've seen the running ability and things of that nature, but playing the quarterback position is not about the ability to run. It's about the ability to throw. 
Okay, Lamar Jackson comes in into the league, and that's all we talked about is how, like, how's he going to throw the football? Is he going to throw the football well? How's he going to throw the football? If you can't throw the football, then you can't play quarterback in the NFL. And Lamar Jackson has shown us that he can throw the football in addition to being one of the best runners in the NFL. Justin Fields, really good runner, okay? He ran for a lot of yards last year, all right? And that's probably why they have him ranked so high, but he can't throw the football. He can't throw the football or win games. As I said, he's 5-20 and 20 since the end of the league. His completion percentage last year was 60% for his career. It's 59%. That is ridiculously low. He didn't throw for 2,500 yards last year. It's like, oh, well, his receivers weren't very good. You're right. But his yards per attempt was only at 7. So he's not. it's not like he's pushing the ball downfield and his guys aren't getting open or anything, okay? He's making these short throws, and he can't complete them. 60%. That's terrible. That's really bad, okay? And I understand, you know, the running, and that's what everybody's going to point to. Like, oh, well, he runs the ball really well. That's great. I don't need my quarterback to run the ball really well. I need my quarterback to stand in the pocket and deliver the and deliver balls on time and on target. Meanwhile, we look at Trevor Lawrence, who's apparently not as good as Justin Fields, who's 12-22. and 22. Okay, the record, not as good. That's totally fair. But he made the playoffs last year, and he completed 66% of his throws and threw for 4,000 yards with 25 touchdowns and only 8 interceptions. Okay, and it's not like Trevor Lawrence isn't athletic. It's not like Trevor Lawrence doesn't make plays with his feet. This dude can play. This dude is good. He's so good. We, we're going to see such a big leap from him this year. Okay, we already saw one last year. Okay, he he had all the hype coming in. And look, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, they are attached at the hip. They are the same age. They both played high school football in North Georgia. Justin Fields was the number one overall player in their high school class. Trevor Lawrence was number two. Okay, they are attached at the hip. They played each other in the college football playoff. I mean, they are they are attached at the hip. They are. And I'm sure it's got to be kind of frustrating for Justin Fields because he's been outperformed by Trevor Lawrence at every single turn outside of high school. In college, Trevor Lawrence, you know, won the national title. Okay, and now in the NFL, he's clearly the better player. And I don't understand how these NFL dudes don't see it. Like, is it just because Justin Fields is more athletic and that's why they have him in front? Because if so, I think that's that's utterly ridiculous. What gets even crazier is two is ranked in front of Trevor Lawrence as well, which is also wild. But that's way more acceptable than putting Justin Fields in front of him. Five games. The guy's won five games. Trevor Lawrence almost Trevor Lawrence won double that this last year. Trevor Lawrence won ten games as a starting quarterback in the NFL last year. He doubled Justin Fields' career wins in one season. One season. Trevor Lawrence, man, he's a bad man. Okay, and while everybody's looking at Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and some of these other younger quarterbacks, it's like, here comes Trevor Lawrence. You know the guy that we talked about at Clemson? Like, he's the second coming of Peyton Manning with a better arm who's more athletic and can move? Well, he's here, and he's got a good head coach, and he's got some weapons. This Jacksonville team... It's going to be awesome. As I said the other week, they're going to win 
thir- 12, 13, 14 games this year. Part of that's the schedule, but a large part of that is because they have this guy named Trevor Lawrence. Watch out. This list is ridiculous. Ugh. Now I'm in a bad mood. I don't want to end the show on, it, show on a bad mood, but I guess that's, that's, that's what I'm going to have to do. Trevor Lawrence, way better than Justin Fields. It's not remotely close. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. College football is almost here. The NFL is almost here. We are almost through this dry spell of content. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I will be back again on Tuesday with another podcast for y'all. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to y'all on Tuesday.